Welcome to the Money Answer Show with host Jordan Goodman. Whether you are starting out, deep into your retirement, or somewhere in between, the Money Answer Show has the know-how to help you. Now here's your host, Jordan Goodman. Welcome to the Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dallas, who is the founder and privacy nerd and technologist at Privacy Post. He does not want me to use his last name to protect his privacy, as you might expect in this case. Welcome to the Money Answer Show, Dallas. Thank you, Jordan. It's a pleasure to be here, and I'm really excited to be on your show today. So let's talk about the problem of personal privacy with data. Uh, how sure. big a problem is this? And, and probably probably people don't realize there's a big problem with privacy. Give us a kind right. of a sense of the, the problem here. Well, if you pay attention to any of the uh, headline news on on um, you know cybersecurity or even just mainstream headline news, there's data breaches almost every day. Um, these breaches contain you know hundreds of data points on millions of people, um, including social security number, address, um, vehicle license uh, data, um, credit card numbers, social security numbers, of course. Practically almost every everybody's social security number has been breached in some form or format um, and can be accessible by uh, any bad actor that has access or the time to access the dark web or these forums where all this data is posted. Okay, and so what's the downside? If, if somebody does get your data, what's the worst that could happen to you? Well, um, if it's a very focused, targeted um, uh, attack. They can uh, use your information from these breaches, which could also be, let's say, um, a breached password that someone used in, let's say, LinkedIn or some of these other major breaches, and that they never change their passwords or they use a basic name, a convention of passwords. You know, the name of their dog plus LinkedIn is the password for LinkedIn. The name of their dog plus Facebook is their their face their password for Facebook, and then these bad actors can do some um, uh, uh, just some logic and do some scripting and then use those to breach other things. And if they get into, let's say, your Gmail account as you, and they go dig through your uh, your uh, inbox and what you've sent, they can then determine, this is a specific case that happened to one of our clients. They can pretend to be your financial advisor and talking to another uh, pr- primary party, party that, let's say, the financial advisor is working with other larger firms to make transactions actions they can pretend to be your your advisor your financial planner advisor and and request special transactions and then they think it's that person because they have a relationship with them and it's a trusted relationship so that is probably one of the bigger extremes that can happen um, from these these breaches and and analyzing all this information and connecting the dots and then uh, you know planning an attack on somebody so there have been a lot of laws about identity theft and all this being enforced supposedly by the Federal Trade Commission. What, mm-hmm. what kind of enforcement is there of ID protection laws? Well, it depends. I've, you see, I'm not on the legal side of things. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a techie person. But those, there's a couple of things to consider. Um, for example, I'll just give some examples here. There was Hilton. Hilton Honors had a huge breach a year ago or so where um, a, a large data set of guests at Hilton Honors, I think there's actually two breaches, was breached. Um, and Hilton Honors, just for whatever reason, you, you you can get the details if you just did if you just search Hilton Honors breach, but they um, didn't disclose it, and uh, they kind of kept it under the radar, thinking you know um, nothing to see here, 
and if we ignore this, nothing will happen. And then actually the credit card or companies or the agencies, the fraud um, departments were seeing all of these breaches of people and the connection point was Hilton Honors. And they actually, these other credit and uh, breach firms or the credit card companies actually had to put news releases out and say Hilton Honors has been breached. And any money who's, who's used their services or have used their services from this point to this point, you may, you may want to cancel your credit card. And then once that became mainstream, Hilton says, oh, whoops, yeah, um, you're right, yeah, so let's take care of that. This also happened with Uber a couple of years ago. They had a major breach. They were actually ransomwared. They paid the ransomware and did not disclose it to anybody, and this was uh, affected millions of people. Um and that uh, the CIO of there is going to go is well he's he's being indicted, um, it, that's in process. So yes, there. Are, in short, if it if it can be identified, and if it's large enough, yes, there are data protection rules um, and stuff, and they are also from Europe Europe as well that that are they're getting more serious about this. But many 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 times, really, there's nothing happens as far as that. Uh, those uh, maybe there's some fines here and there, but many times there's not. Is there an obligation on the part of the the institution like Hilton Autos or Uber to say we've been breached? It's, yes, there is an obligation that, that they do. The more it is, uh, and I'm getting a little bit out of my specialty here, but it is more um, binding and there there's more requirements for reporting on the healthcare side, and it's called HIPAA, mm-hmm. the HIPAA Act. If it is in the HIPAA side, yes. There's huge fines and penalties, and I think they're talking about moving that over to uh, outside of the um, the 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 healthcare side. Um, but that I think that's still not that's still in process. There's many many breaches. Almost every day there's another breach, and there's very. And I think more of it is is litigation. There's class action lawsuits and stuff when that happens. That um, that's how they're determining how to uh, find these organizations that have these breaches. It's it's more on uh, a lot of than class action lawsuits happen, as well as perhaps um, um, yeah, pretty or, or it's just the fact that if they're a publicly traded company, the value of their company goes down when this is publicly uh, disclosed. And how about ransomware? You've, we've heard a lot about ransomware, particularly from Russian actors. Yes. Is, is that getting under control? There's all no. kinds of laws in Congress no. that they're going to control no. ransomware. No, no, it's getting worse. It's it's getting worse. It'll get probably get worse before it gets better. I guess there is some talks, and I, you know, I, I, I spend a lot of time on the cybersecurity um, uh, channels and podcasts and forums, and there is talk of like. Uh, critical infrastructure, like the oil, when the oil pipeline was ransomware um, yeah. earlier last year, considering things, you know, critical infrastructure and identifying that that is like a terrorist attack, but that has a long ways to go uh, for that to happen. It's just, it continues to be a problem. And I, do, I don't foresee, in my opinion, I don't foresee there being much changes uh, to that. In the new, are, are they ransomware both individuals and institutions? In that case, Colonial Pipeline. But well, are they going after individuals as well as like towns and companies. Yes, they will. But those are the small actors that will go after individuals. They're just 
you know, they're kind of like script kitties that are kind of wannabes as far. Oh, I better be careful there. I, can, <laughs> I, might, get, I might get attacked. But, you know, those are the small actors that are just kind of warming up their expertise in ransomware. Yeah, they're individuals can log into their computer and say, you know, you know, you, you've been hacked and, and your data has been encrypted. Send a hundred, hundred dollars in, in, you know, some cryptocurrency to this account to get it, um, to get it unlocked. And people need to understand too, that there's now a term called double encryption. It's like, there is no honor among thieves. And when these companies pay a ransom, and then that rants, um, then they say, okay, we're going to encrypt your data for you. They're also take, they're, they're keeping a copy of that data and then they're either selling it on the dark web or they then say, if you don't want us to sell us on the dark web, pay us again. I mean, you know, you see those stories all the time, you, you know, on those detective shows when someone gets, you know, blackmailed once, usually usually the the bad actor comes back for more money when they need more money so this you know one and done encrypt your data unencrypt your data and we're going to leave you alone that is no longer true so is is this something that the um uh, both federal and state regulators and uh, police and FBI and Interpol can do something about it or are they completely power, powerless against these things yeah i I, I, that is more on the, the the legislation side and the legal side, and I'm not fully versed on that. But the little I do, um, you know, when 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 there's a deep dive in a postmortem on, let's say, some major breach, there's a little talk about that, but there's not a lot. A lot of the, you know, what you hear from um, that that side of the, you know, the the politicians and the regulators and so forth is is a lot of just, you know, kind of like talk right now and. You know, we need to do something about this, but really, when it comes down to it, there's, you know, the, at the end of the day, there's they, they've they've got a lot of cash up, and I think part of it is just the resources are limited, and there are just uh, so many attacks going on on ongoing out there that just to keep ahead of them all is uh, almost impossible. Now, some people are saying that the current confrontation with Russia, if they were to invade Ukraine, that we would attack them cyberly, and they would attack us, and potentially have all kinds of malware in U.S. infrastructure and European infrastructure. Do you think mm-hmm. that they could unleash a cyber war if they yeah. want to go through Ukraine? Is that likely to happen soon? I That's out of my expertise. I can't even speculate on that. Uh, but I do know that this is a constant conversation within the cyber the cybersecurity um, um, communities that that could be possible, but I just think it's there's just so many leaks in the dam. It's just like keeping all of them patched up is is almost impossible. So the result of all this is that people need to protect their privacy much more than in the past. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yes, we can't. We really can't count on anybody else. We have to. We have to. We have to protect it ourselves. Anytime we put anything on a cloud platform. Anytime we give, we we fill out a web form with personal information. We anytime we go online to fill out a a COVID test form and give all that information that they ask online, assume that that data will be breached. Wow, and particularly with the cyber uh, cryptocurrency world, is is that an area uh, where people are buying and selling cryptocurrencies and Bitcoin that that's subject to be breached? 
Absolutely, and and what happens there is a lot of people will just do the basic authentication. They won't they won't have layers of authentication in securing their um, their assets, their crypto assets, or they'll keep them, you know, in uh, an exchange which is not really in possession. You're not in possession of that, and yes, or they will they think they're um, uh, protect them with a, a special code sent to their cell phone. These bad actors are. Um, they are uh, um, breaching cell phone providers, and they're taking the millions of of cell phone users' information and cell numbers, and using that to to then social engineer a SIM swap. It's called, and then they take ownership of that SIM phone number. Imagine all the things that you have going to your SIM, your cell phone for authentication with your bank. Maybe if you're doing crypto, some things, uh, some websites or services, they want to send you a text with uh, a code a one-time passcode. And imagine if you one day your phone quits working um, and they can get into your Facebook, they can get into your LinkedIn, they can get into PayPal and anything else that authenticates through um, a cell number. Just crazy. It's just a crazy world we have. Uh, We're going to take a break. Uh, This is Jordan Goodman of The Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Dallas. He doesn't want his last name used. You can understand why after we've been talking about this. He is the founder and privacy nerd at privacypost.io. You can find out more at his website, privacypost.io. We'll be back after this. For the last month, I've been taking Athletic Greens, which is a delicious multivitamin powder that has given me new energy and boosted my immune system. Every morning, I mix the powder in 12 ounces of water into a plastic container they provided, shake it up, and drink it. It's kind of like a mild tropical taste, and I kind of look forward to it every day. So what is in the stuff? Athletic Greens Powder has 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food-sourced superfoods, probiotics, and adaptogens to help me start my day right. Their special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, and slows down the aging process. It also helps you sleep better and absorb nutrients from foods in your bloodstream more efficiently. Athletic Greens is a lifestyle-friendly system where your diet is either keto, paleo, gluten-free, or dairy-free. It's very natural and has only one gram of sugar and no nasty chemicals or artificial anything. Athletic Greens is based on the latest science, is tested extensively, and is constantly being tweaked and improved. It costs less than $3 a day. You'll spend less on it than all the supplements and multivitamins you may already be taking. Think of it as investing in your health so you won't have to spend money on therapies to recover from bad health habits. It has thousands of five-star reviews and is recommended by many professional athletes. Athletic Greens is a climate-neutral certified company which donates some of the proceeds of its sales to organizations to get millions of nutritious meals to kids in need all over the world. Right now, it's time to claim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition especially since we're in the cold and flu season. It's just one scoop of Athletic Greens powder with a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for many different pills or multivitamins to look out for your health. To make it easy to get started, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-boosting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash moneyanswers. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash moneyanswers to take ownership of your health 
and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Nobody likes the guy who says, I told you so. The guy in 1991 who said to you, invest in the internet, it's going to be huge. Or the guy in 1997 who said, come on, this is going to be big. They call it social media. And the guy in 2009 who said, I'm telling you, man, crypto is real. Now, I'm not going to be that guy who says, I told you so. But I am telling you that there is a 21-year-old international company where you can become a global project partner, earning a passive income doing exactly what you're doing at this moment. No selling, no recruiting clients, no administering a business after hours. Visit www.mypassiveincome.life now. That's mypassiveincome.life. Don't let history repeat itself on this one. Earn a passive income. Now listen again. That's mypassiveincome.life. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to your host. My guest this hour is Dallas. Uh, he is the founder and privacy nerd and technologist at privacypost.io that will help you protect your privacy against all the attacks we were just talking about. Welcome back to the show, Dallas. Thank you. So tell us a little bit about privacypost.io. What can people find there and how can you protect yourself against all these attacks we were just talking about? Sure. Well, first of all, thanks for for saying that on, when you just introduced me again. You said help you protect because really, there's no guarantee. There's any, if there's any service or there's anybody out there that says we can guarantee or they give you those kind of those phrases that make it appear that way. That's that that's just impossible. So how there's a few things that how we can help. Uh, protect uh, individual privacy or data or, or financial investment uh, information and so forth. And first of all, um, I would say most people who have a financial advisor plan or uh, a law firm that they create their estates and their trusts and stuff like that, many times for privacy, they will have that that law firm or that lawyer uh, they will register things in and the the mailing address will be that law firm. And you need to have some critical, you know, conversations with that law firm. It's like, well, how how are you protecting my information and my data? How are you storing it and so forth? Many law firms, even I've seen large ones, they use G Suite, um, they use Dropbox, um, they use uh, was it Office 365, and everything is stored in the cloud. And you may may or may not be aware if they do a second layer of encryption. Um, to store data in those those clouds. By default, it is not encrypted, and it can be accessed by bad actors, by legal entities, by 
uh, curious snoopers that work for these entities, if, it, if, you know, if your client's a VIP client or a high-profile client. And so you really need to ask those questions uh, to your legal, um, your, your, your professionals that are handling your, your estates and your trusts and so forth. What we do is we work with those legal or those uh, professional entities as well as directly with the cl- the the the, um, uh, the, uh, the owners of the of of the you know this the, of their money. Um, the right term right, right now escapes me, but um, where we provide those layers of encryption and privacy, and we work uh, with then the professional services to ensure that their personal data is encrypted and uh, certain um, uh, measures are taken to mitigate and prevent um, the leaking of their personal data. So how? So let's say a law firm and say that they uh, have all these documents on the web and say it's not double encrypted. It might be encrypted once but not double as you say. So how would privacy post add a layer of encryption to that. Well, so to clarify, um, when when many services, they say, oh, we have military-grade encryption or we encrypt everything in the cloud, there's a couple things that really need to be asked. Is it it end-to-end, E-to-E encrypted? And really the the term, and I don't want to get too, go down the the rabbit hole too far, but end-to-end encrypted, Zero knowledge or zero trust, those are the key words to be asking or to understand. This means that the only person that has the keys to view that data are the people that are authorized. It could be the law firm or the, the financial entity. It could – or the, just the individual that owns – that is storing that data. Many systems like, like Gmail or G Suite and stuff like that, it could be encrypted – but the keys are owned by Google, and mm-hmm. Google can unencrypt any time that information and share it with whoever they deem they want to, or or, or who has requested, you know, a legal request or whatever. So the important thing is, is really ultimately either either the the professional service that you are working with. Or just you, just you, the owner of this data, has access to those um, to that information by providing that password, which is the key that decrypts it. So, so what we, mm-hmm. I mean, WhatsApp says that they are end-to-end encrypted, and there's no possible way to get into WhatsApp. Is that a secure communication system? Okay, that is a great question. So uh, technically, it is. Um, they actually use the same encry- encryption methods and algorithms that actually was created by Signal Messenger. Okay, Signal Messenger was probably one of the first encrypted, end-to-end encrypted messaging service. And if I, if anybody out there in your audience are using WhatsApp to communicate with professional services or anyone that they really need to have their privacy, I highly recommend that they move off of WhatsApp and move over to Signal. And one of the primary reasons is even though they use the same encryption technology that is truly end-to-end encrypted, WhatsApp there's several, several key metadata points that they do not encrypt, and they share, and they um, they monetize those. Okay, it could be geolocations, it could be who you're talking to, it could be um, you know the the friends of who you're talking to, how long you talk to them, how many times you talk to them, and so forth. And there have been actual. Um, legal cases where, uh, let's say, a reporter is having confidential uh, a um, has uh, a confidential lead on something, um, and then they're they're chit chatting on WhatsApp, and it becomes um, a, an issue of um, 
of providing information that's you know um, uh, le- they're they're legally liable that they shouldn't be providing that information. There maybe that say they're a whistleblower. Um, there have been cases where um, their conversations on WhatsApp there was enough information from the metadata to link the two. Even though the content of the of the conversation, and they were selling was, that information, like who you're talking to, that kind of thing. Yes. Well, not only are they, they're, 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 what the level layer of that is, I I have no idea. But there's the potential that they're selling. You remember now, WhatsApp. Who who owns WhatsApp? Uh, Facebook, I think. Yes, Facebook owns WhatsApp. And what happened with Facebook a couple, a few years ago? Uh, Cambridge Analytica. Yes. And all the data that they were were providing. So just keep that in mind. It's like, you know, if, if you trust, do you trust Facebook with your privacy? And if you, if you don't trust Facebook with your privacy, why would you trust WhatsApp? Uh-huh. You know, so that's something to consider. So privacypost.io is a subscription service or how does it actually work? Correct. If you go on the website, it's a subscription service. Um, we, we, sometimes we say clients, but we really, we, we think of them as members. Um, they subscribe to privacy post for their mailing address and we are it's very similar to a virtual mail service virtual mailbox many many people who um, are um, have several houses or or you know vacation homes and they travel a lot around around the country or the world or maybe they're you know even they're simple as they're retired in an RV and the you know and but they still have you know financial data investments they need to talk to their lawyers their financial planners their banks and so forth um, they will use a virtual mail service as a location for all that mail that cannot just be soft copy sent via their, you know, whatever that service may be, maybe offer soft copy, but some things you have to have hard copy. And so they'll use a virtual mail service to do that. And most, if not all virtual mail services, they do not provide the layer of security and privacy that we provide. They're putting it into their own cloud service that may or may not be, it is, I've not seen any that are end-to-end truly encrypted like you would get with Signal Messenger or Proton Mail, which is another service that we use. But they say it's encrypted. They they call it military grade encryption. And I'm if I was on video, I'm I'm air quoting that. Okay, mm-hmm. military grade encryption. All that means is the HTTPS connection between you and their cloud is encrypted, and that has been a standard for several years. So. Um, so that's uh, so, making you feel good, or that's not that good. No, it is. The, the connection is fine, but once the data is in their cloud, it's it's not military grade encryption, <laughs> and mm. they have the keys. That's so, right. yeah. Is using a VPN of a virtual private network a good way to protect yourself? It is absolutely, especially if you travel a lot, if you're out of the country, if you don't want your location to be tracked by your um, your internet connection. Absolutely, they're a must. Um, but there's, yeah, and that's probably a different show to talk about the different providers, the different, um, you know, you can get a cheap uh, service that may not, may or may not protect you. There are good ones out there that um, do protect you. Mulvad is one of them, and uh, Proton VPN. Those so, are two so what is that the I problem recommend. with people being able to track where you are? They always say, like, kind of a, a location tracker. What does that allow people to do if they know where you are? Well, it could be for different reasons. People, you know, if they're VIPs, if they've 
they have some uh, wealth, if they've got some notoriety, and um, it's easy uh, to be tracked through your geolocation. If you if you get a message or something, or your your emails are tracking you um, all the time. I would say, I just saw I just read an article about email trackers. Uh, Seventy to eighty percent. I'm just I can't confirm that. Just let's say many, if most, emails that you receive from that are business related or uh, spam and all that stuff, they have trackers on them that are tracking your geolocation if you so click on them and open them and stuff. They're, they're tracking so many different uh, data points. You, if they have access to your geolocation, if you open the email, when you open the email, how many times you open the email, how long you read the email, um, if you forwarded the email, so forth. So people often it'll come up and say, "Do you allow want to allow us to track you or uh, mm-hmm. cookies that kind of thing?" You should say no to those kind of things. Not Absolutely, track. but they still they they don't mean nothing when you when you select no. Many of them probably still track you. <laughs> but they're specifically saying we will not track you if you say no. Yeah, I don't believe them, but. Maybe I I wouldn't I wouldn't provide the trust in them to to manage that. It's so you know there's so much value in our personal data and our 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 metadata that you know they could be, but I don't trust it. Very good. All right, we're going to take another break. We have a distrustful but rightfully so <laughs> Dallas as our guest this month, this Sauer. He is the founder, privacy nerd, and privacy technologist at PrivacyPost.io, a place that can help you. Uh, keep your data private so that you won't be ransomware and attacked in all the ways we've just talked about before. Before, We'll be back after this. All around the world, tech companies are innovating and driving returns for investors. Our crowd analyzes companies across the global private market, selecting those with the greatest growth potential, then bringing them to you. From personalized medicine to cybersecurity to robotics, quantum computing, and much more, in state-of-the-art labs, startup garages, and anywhere in between, our crowd is identifying innovators so you can invest when growth potential is greatest, which is early. Our crowd is the fastest-growing venture capital investment community. Our crowd's accredited investors have already invested over $1 billion in growing tech companies. 21 of the portfolio companies are unicorns. And many of our crowd's members have benefited from over 40 IPOs or sale exits of portfolio companies. Now you can invest in Bluetree, who who can revolutionize the billion-dollar-plus total addressable food tech market. Bluetree has developed a process to significantly reduce the sugar in any natural liquid, lowering health risks while retaining great taste. Bluetree has already signed a five-year, 100-million-liter contract with an industry leader, so invest today at our crowd. Invest in Bluetree at O-U-R-C-R-O-W dot com slash answers. You can join our crowd for free at O-U-R-C-R-O-W dot com slash answers. Join the fastest growing venture capital investment community at rcrowd.com slash answers. Do you or someone you love have a life insurance policy that's no longer needed or not affordable? Did you know that you can sell your policy for cash? Your reason for buying life insurance has probably changed. Thousands of Americans turn to life insurance settlements to help sell their policies. They act as your representative, getting the highest market offer for you. You've got nothing to lose by simply inquiring. 
If you're over 64 with $100,000 or more of life insurance, you may already qualify. Call 877-485-6681 to get your free non-binding appraisal or visit FundingLife.com. Life Insurance Settlements. Discover the true value of your life insurance. 877-485-6681. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. To use his last name because he protects his privacy, he is the founder and privacy nerd slash technologist at Privacy Post. Dot io. Welcome back to the show, Dallas. Thank you. So why is a virtual mailbox helpful with your property investments particularly? Well, it's not, yeah, it's not only a, uh, a, uh, a virtual mailbox, but um, making sure that you're using the right service. But how that can help is um, I'll give you a perfect example of uh, one of our members, Owens, a three, four properties around the United States. Uh, and one of them in particular is uh, was in Arizona, a vacation property. And when they were not there, um, they um, would rent it out through those different, you know, platforms um, to get some extra income. Um, but the mail was going to the site and then their local manager was kind of, yeah, I'll pick it up and get it over to you when, when it comes to that. And, some, and a few things were missed, including a tax bill. Uh, the state property tax bill. So um, they missed the property tax bill, the pro- property tax ta- payment. They were uh, they discovered this discrepancy, which was just a couple thousand dollars. Um, they di- they discovered this discrepancy when they went to use their bank card or their debit card, and it was declined. It was declined because the state of Arizona had seized or locked their. One of their minor, but the one they got a hold of was, was one they were using that the um, state of Arizona was aware of, locked their account up and said, you know, they um, they took what they could out of it. It was just a small uh, in, uh, incidental spending account. They took it. And then that was, the, that was the, not the big part. That just flagged the issue with them. The bigger part was then they put a lien on their larger property, beachfront property in California. Well, yep. And um, so they uh, there was just a few hundred dollars of the outstanding that they couldn't take out of this general spending account. So um, they just said, okay, okay, we'll pay it. And they paid it. And they got that all cleared up. And the last time I talked to them, they're still getting trying to get this lien off their property. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Just because they didn't get the mail. Yep. Now, there are different advantages and disadvantages of having a state domicile. Yes. Tell me what are the, the, the uh, factors that make you want to be in one state versus another. 
Okay, that is significant, and I think everybody—it's different for everybody. And you know, talk to your professional advisors to really do the analysis, but also really think about who you're asking. If you're talking to your uh, professional. Uh, advisors in one state, they may say, you know, yeah, this is the better state because it's in their best interests because they may um, they may not be – they may be more regional. They may not be more uh, national. Um, there are certain firms and certain uh, uh, professional services that really will take a look at the big picture and say, okay, here's what you can do if you go to this state or this state or this state. Or in your certain circumstances right now, you're really tied to this state because of these critical questions that they, you know, that they're going to ask, you know. Um, where do you bank? Where do you go to church? Uh, where where do you call home? Where is your primary residence? Uh, where are all your vehicles licensed to? Where does your your dog go to the vet? If everything you say is, let's say, Connecticut, 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 um, but you're saying I live in Florida with you know I go to I go down to Florida a couple months a year or three months a year, so I'm claiming everything in Florida. Eventually, you will probably get caught. And so having the right state and, and not just saying, I, you know, yeah, Florida, I've got a physical address there. I'm good. That's all I need. That is so far from the truth. You need to, you need to do, take certain measures to make sure that you are meeting the requirements. And these aren't things you lie about. Um, these are just making sure that you are really planting roots, planting seeds in Florida. So legally, that's called a domicile as opposed to residence. Correct. Yep, yep. So people get those two mixed up, and they kind of can be interchanged. Uh, but a domicile is really where you call home. A domicile is where um, you, when you do your taxes, the state that you put on your taxes, because everybody has to have a state, even if they are expats and they never come home as long as they have a U.S. passport and they're and you know they're citizens of the U.S., they have to have a state on their taxes. Um, your wills, your legal forms, so or your legal, um, yeah, your your entities, your trusts, all of that stuff has you know you have to pick a state, and if you have most of your stuff picked in, let's say Connecticut, I'm just randomly picking on that you know east east and west coast are the really the you know the the uh the states with a lot of tax liabilities and but yet you're then saying to the irs or to your um you know your income and you're saying i'm not going to file taxes in in connecticut i live in florida and i'm going to file file taxes in florida um it is getting more and more not just the high profile people that that try to you know fly under the radar the states want their taxes they want their money you know, so to be a resident, to be a resident, do you have to live there six months in a day? Every state's different. In South Dakota, no. Um, it all depends on the states, and that's where your professionals can can help you. And so many, every state is different, and then states will even depending on what you're claiming. If you're if you're claiming, let's say, Florida as a tax resident, my understanding. In in conversations, as we have members do the analysis and then talking to the professionals, and when I, I'm in on these phone calls sometimes on these on these um, uh, conference calls, and um, from my understanding, Florida is for tax residency in Florida. If you say I, I I'm claiming taxes in Florida, that's my state. You need to be there. They have the 181 day rule, so you have to be there 181 days. And people will use you know these little services that make it look like you're there for 181 days or so forth. I personally don't uh, advise on that, but people do do that. So is that, that gets you in trouble if you say you've been there for six months a day and you're not in fact there? 
You know, where here's what I think will happen. Um, if you if you get the light showing on you and you you know you're above radar and it's like there's some raw audits or something's flagged with a state that that you have a lot of activity and or so forth. Or let's say you have a, a state where you know you have a lot of investments and stuff, and then all of a sudden you flip over to to Florida, and then um, they may eventually audit or catch that on something, and then they're going to come to you and say, hey. We think you live in Connecticut. Could you could you answer these questions, please? And then they're going to ask certain questions, and then how you uh, answer them and provide documentation will determine if. Then they may say, "No, you are a resident of Connecticut. You need to pay your gains tax and all this stuff in your in this state, not Florida." And really, uh, the important thing is every state's a little different, but there are some general common themes of what they ask. Um, but the really important thing is you are guilty till proven innocent. This isn't a criminal case at this point. This isn't like, you know, no, I, they need to prove that I'm not here. No, no, no. You need to prove you're not there. And yep. if you if you don't um, have enough evidence and uh, enough of a paper trail or so forth, then they're just going to say, nope, yeah, you're, you're a resident here. And uh, you need to file all these uh, – you need to pay all these taxes um, here as a resident of Connecticut. Your favorite state for these privacy <laughs> purposes is? South Dakota. And tell us why. There's multitude of reasons. Um, South Dakota is my favorite. Everybody, you know, do their your own research and, and look at where would be best. The top, the top three are um, uh, Texas, Florida, and South Dakota. Why I like South Dakota is um, they have multitudes of layers of privacy in um, within uh, their 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 banking laws within the state their 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 trust laws their um, business formation laws even how they share their data with all of with other states and how they share their data with all of these platforms that you know like for example when you go to, the, to do a search on someone and you they they scour all the different databases that are shared within the states South Dakota is very, very, um, uh, they're very conservative about the information that that they share with all of these aggregators in other states, and particularly Sioux Falls. So, would you you would become a resident of Sioux Falls virtually? Or how would that work? Yeah, yeah. So, um, I I strategically chose Sioux Falls. I, first of all, I'm not a I'm not a lifelong resident of South Dakota or Sioux Falls. Um, I don't have a you know a biased affinity for that. Like yeah, this is my hometown. It's of course the best place to live. Um, I found Sioux Falls. Uh, gosh, uh, eight years ago uh, when I started becoming location independent, and the, what ticks off the boxes for me with Sioux Falls is multitude of things. First of all, there's two interstates that intersect, so it's it's easier to get to. It's it's in the lower, uh, it's in the southeast corner of the state, so it's close to you know Omaha Nebraska to the larger airports it's it's closer to Kansas City and so forth um, and the other thing um, Sioux Falls really is the banking mecca of the of the Midwest and um, within Sioux Falls it's a long story but they opened up their 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 they 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 relaxed their regulations and they opened up the doors for banks to come in and do and have their 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 branches there or part of their their operations in South Dakota and they just it drew so many banks into South Dakota and they chose Sioux Falls so from an individual's point of view do you want to create a Sioux Falls or South Dakota domicile and that would save you taxes and help your yes. privacy? What would be the benefit of somebody who lives in California or New York or some other state? 
Well, yeah, they can't just do it on paper and say, I'm no longer living in California. They really would have to look, you know, they have their professional advisors um, um, look at, say, oh, you're not in California enough. You don't have enough here to plant you here. So we advise that you choose another state and, and one of them could be South Dakota. One more thing to say about South Dakota before we, we go to the next break. Um, also, their regional airport is just, it's it's getting bigger and bigger, and it, I've heard rumors that it's going to go international pretty soon. They really are all about having all of those uh, that access to other, um, you know, more larger airports, direct flights to L.A., to Texas, to Florida, uh, and they're very um, cost-effective flights, so people can fly direct. Very good. We're going to take another break. This is Jordan Goodman with the Money Answer Show. My guest this hour is Dallas. He is the founder and privacy nerd at privacypost.io. You can check them out to, to protect your privacy against all the things we've been talking about here so far. We'll be back after this. I recently started subscribing to Blinkist, which is a service that gives you condensed versions of top books and audios on many vital topics. You can read the most important ideas of a 200-plus page book in 10 to 15 minutes and listen to the audio of that book in 30 minutes or less. Blinkist empowers you to grow personally and professionally by discovering content that inspires, motivates, and gives you new perspectives. Blinkist offers you content in 27 categories. In the business and money world, it covers entrepreneurship, economics, management and leadership, money and investments, and careers. There's a lot to learn here. In the money and investments sections, I read some of the classics of the field, such as What Up on Wall Street by Peter Lynch, and The Last Safe Investment by Michael Ellsberg. Other offerings include some of the authors I've interviewed on the Money Answers Show, such as Grant, Grant Sabatier, who wrote about financial freedom, and Aaron Lowry of Broke Millennial. I particularly enjoyed Mind Over Money by Claudia Hammond, which delves into why we make the financial decisions we do and how it affects our behavior. For better or worse interesting stories about the mistakes people make with money, which really drive home her points. In the economic section, I particularly enjoyed The Raging Twenties by Alec Ross, who on who will win and lose in this decade. And then there was The Promise of Bitcoin by Bobby Lee, which explains how to take advantage of the emerging world of cryptocurrencies. And that's just a small sample of what you can find on Blinkist. Use Blinkist to become a better, smarter, and more knowledgeable you. I'd love you to have the same positive experience I've been having exploring what Blinkist has to offer. Right now, Blinkist has a special offer just for listeners of the Money Answers Show. Go to Blinkist.com slash Money Answers to start your free seven-day trial and 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. That's Blinkist spelled B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T dot com slash Money Answers to get 25% off and a seven-day free trial. Blinkist.com slash Money Answers. Are you a homeowner tired of making monthly mortgage payments with little progress towards paying down your principal? Does paying off your home in five to seven years without making larger or more frequent payments sound appealing? 
Paying off your home in full in five to seven years is really possible thanks to Truth and Equity's Mortgage Equity Optimization System, a money management approach that puts your money to work for you 24-7. If you own a home with some equity, have a decent credit score and verifiable income, you owe it to yourself to learn more about Truth and Equity's program. There's no need to replace your mortgage or refinance in many cases. The system works for new home purchases as well as current mortgages. Your home is your largest investment. Own it outright in five to seven years. Call Truth and Equity, 888-262-5540 or visit truthandequity.com, 888-262-5540. Jordan Goodman is an affiliate. He recognizes quality solutions, forming relationships to help improve the lives of his listeners. You've been listening to The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman. If you have a question for Jordan or his guest, please call us now at 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Now back to Jordan. Welcome back to The Money Answer Show. This is Jordan Goodman, your host. My guest this hour is Dallas he doesn't want us to give his last name because he wants to be private, but he is the founder and privacy nerd at privacypost.io. Welcome back to the show, Dallas. Thank you, Jordan. We were talking a little bit more about South Dakota. There are some tax advantages as well. Tell us the, the tax advantages of, of having a domicile in South Dakota. Right. Well, yes. So the tax advantages, especially with vehicles and RVs, um, and this is common with common knowledge of the RV folks, and so there's really not enlightening to them. But um, there, if you register your vehicles uh, in South Dakota, there is a flat, they don't even call it a sales tax, they call it an excise tax of 4%. When, um, and and it, it, they have reciprocity, so if you've already paid greater than 4% somewhere else, you just show the documentation, you pay nothing You know when you transfer your titles over. But let's say you buy a new vehicle and you you buy it. Um, you you uh, do do it proper where you're not paying that tax right away, and you bring all the the paperwork uh, when you register your plates in South Dakota, and you're only paying four percent. Many states are six to eight percent. When you really think about that, and then the local, then also the the local taxes that can bump it up a little more. And if you're buying a seventy five thousand dollar vehicle and you really look at the bottom line, many people don't because they kind of sneak it into that overall payment. But if you're paying cash for your vehicle. Uh, which you know many people do for for several reasons, um, or you really take a look at the numbers. Um, you know you are you can save four percent, three, four, five, six percent on a seventy five hundred thousand dollar vehicle. Yeah. Now you are what you call a digital nomad. You mm-hmm. like to move around, and there's a lot yes. of people now because of COVID that are not rooted in one particular place, um, mm-hmm. or, or also an expatriate where you're not you're an American mm-hmm. citizen but you're not yep. living in the U.S. anymore. Correct. Uh, yeah. What what are some things that people who are digital nomads and expatriates have to think about uh, as far as privacy and maintaining their oh bail and all the things you talked about? Yeah, just exactly what we're talking about. We, and this brings it up to the nth degree. When let's imagine you're uh, in another country, uh, maybe you decided Mexico was going to be your place to be. You're going to hunker down there or create that as you know, plant a flag there is what I call. I'm I'm also more of a, a flag theory. A person, but um, you really need to have secure ways and private ways to communicate with your professionals back in the states. Many of them will think, you know, they will they will say, oh, just you know, oh, I'm going to send you some tax forms, and then you say, well, how are you going to send them? Be security? Like, oh, I'll send you the PDFs and I'll password protect them. That's nothing. <laughs> that means nothing. Um, and so. 
you know, most services out, most professional services out there, even if they have a domain name that is the name of, let's say, their law firm or their their investment firm, in 15 seconds, I can tell you if it's Gmail or Office 365 that their that their domain, their email is actually hosted on, and most of them are. And um, so, having layers of protection of encryption and so forth will protect you, especially when you're overseas. And how you get data back and forth without it being in the clear is very important. What are some of the tax benefits and liabilities of traveling and taking residency uh, in other places? So my uh, one of my primary places out of country is uh, Lisbon, Portugal. And I do that for a multitude of reasons. Um, it's uh, the quality of life here is very good. Uh, health insurance is excellent, and it's at a, at a, a fraction of the cost in the U.S. But people also can look at um, you know your foreign earned income tax um, or or living abroad and your your taxes. You know, many people could they can if they if they do if they structure right with their professionals. You know, if they're still getting an income um, in the, let's say their rental properties or whatever, but yet they're they're traveling outside of the the country, their first hundred and five thousand um, dollars of income is is zero. It's written off in, from the federal level. And then if you have a state like South Dakota as your uh, domicile state, then you're paying no state income tax on that money. So those are some really very very key priorities, important things to look at. And if you're you know also um, uh, your insurance for your vehicles and stuff that you have back in the United States if you have them registered and you and you do it properly within South Dakota um, your uh, your plate fees and your registration and so forth is, is much less what are some other countries in addition to Portugal where you are uh, that are uh, you know, welcoming to people, expats who have various benefits. Like yeah, that's uh, Mexico is really opening up. I've heard a lot of people now just because it's so close. It's like near shore, <laughs> um, very welcoming and so forth. Um, uh, Brazil would be another one that I would recommend, but I'm really not an expert in in, in looking at all those. I do, you know, run in those circles, but that's not, um, you know, my my expertise and my specialty. I know a lot of people are moving here to Lisbon, and that is why also with. Uh, our services, um, you need a virtual mail service. You should have a virtual mail service if you're going to become an expat. And we also provide services for expats moving to Portugal because it's really, really in demand right now. And a lot of people are moving to Portugal. So how does that work? Somebody sends their mail to say your address in Phoenix where your rental house is. Mm -hmm. You collect it up and then you mail it to your, your real address in Portugal? Yeah, so you could do that. No, no. So what happens is um, all you know, when people use Privacy Post, they make sure all of their entities have the mailing address <laughs> of Privacy Post. The mail is received by uh, Privacy Post, and then we immediately scan it and encrypt it end-to-end and then send it on to a central point for the entity or the family or whatever to be able to receive their mail. Once it's encrypted, um, we we depending on how the the um, the, the the member wants it, uh, the data retention of the physical mail. Um, we will have a data retention of a certain period of time. Once that data retention is over, and they say, "Oh, I need that document. It needs an ink." an ink signature, forward that to me, mail it to me. Or if they're like, nope, just after 30 days, just take and shred it. And then once that's done, we have no more access to your data, period. Yeah. In the two minutes or so we have left, why don't you kind of summarize the risk and opportunity 
uh, in the current situation to improve your privacy? Well, there's a huge contention between uh, people's private data and what not only um, the uh, uh, the corporate surveillance wants information on you to 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 uh, you know harvest it and sell it and aggregate it and sell it, but also there's contention with um, with 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 agencies that when they want to investigate someone and then maybe you're connected third you know tangentially to someone or whatever they want all the data they want everything on you. And they will then determine what is relevant to their case and what is not relevant to your case. And you are the last person usually to know that your data has been accessed, reviewed, scanned, copied, whatever. Okay. So, and so, yeah. So, but yes, there's a solution is what you're talking about as well. Yeah. So when it's ended encrypted, you're the only one that has the password. So they can take your data. They can seize your data. They can say, you know, but just remember, we're we're coming to a close here. That most times when they seize your data, they put a gag order on it. So they go to Gmail and say, Gmail or Google, we want all the data on this person on these email addresses, and they will get everything from your phone, from your from your where you log into your Gmail. They will get so much information on you. But they also will include what's called a gag order. And on that gag order, they'll say, you cannot tell this person that we grabbed all this information. Wow. So they've got it, and they don't. You don't even know they've got it. No, they don't. You don't know you're under investigation. You don't know uh, anything. <laughs> you know, you probably may have some some clues other in other areas, but no. And then, but you just don't. And it, the, all the information we have stored in the cloud on us, and and majority of it has nothing to do with our investments or our, fin- our financial well-being or so forth, or you know, our our partners or whatever. And they grab it all. Very scary world out there, indeed. Well, very good. My guest this hour has been Dallas. Uh, He is the uh, founder and privacy nerd technologist at privacypost.io. Certainly an eye-opening look at uh, how all your data is being taken in various ways you don't even know about it and what you can do to protect yourself. So thanks so much for being a great guest on the Money Answer Show, Dallas. Thanks, Jordan. Thanks again. We'll be back next week with another edition of the Money Answer Show. Goodbye for now. Thank you for joining Jordan Goodman and the Money Answer Show. If you have a question for Jordan, please visit his website at www.moneyanswers.com. And be sure to tune in every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time right here on Voice America Business. See you next week.